0: Friends, I invite you to take a journey with me back over 200 years ago to the Chester of ages past. The Chester that was first settled upon, the Chester that looks much different than today. Settlers were few and far between, and mostly farmers mostly of English, Welsh, and Scottish descent. Our first recorded history book shares how these settlers struggled for nearly half a century, this adversity that they had before they could plant a house of worship in their midst. This meant that for almost 50 years, these faithful settlers had to travel to Blooming Grove, Goshen, Florida, Monroe, or even further out. And it's not like travel was easy back then. I mean, travel to Blooming Grove or Goshen may take us 10 minutes today, depending on the time of day and traffic, but back then it could have taken them quite a bit of time that they had to plan out their whole day. By 1783, following the war with Great Britain, a man by the name of Abijah Yelverton made an effort to help plant a church in Chester. And to help get the process going, he donated an acre of land just up the street a little bit. For those of you who remember it, the original location was where the original Chester Inn once stood. But here's the kicker. There's a part of this story that's often skimmed over in our church history, a part that we should perhaps pay more attention to. It says that the war had so weakened the forces, which before the war broke out, if we remember, consisted of only about 30 people, they felt unequal to the task of building a church. To the point that they almost turned down this offer completely of the donated land. That is, until one of the itinerant preachers that often came through, Silas Constant, greatly encouraged and inspired them not to give up in this effort, that they decided to at least secure the land that was being offered. Oftentimes, when this story is told, we hear how they didn't have the supplies or that the resources were scarce following the war, but here we hear something slightly different They didn't feel like they were able to complete the task. And since they felt like they weren't able to complete it, they almost didn't even take the first step to even start it. This is how hopeless they must have felt, figuring if they can't even complete it, see it to fruition, what's the point of even starting? perhaps we've all felt like that at some point in our lives. We've felt discouraged or worn down. We've felt like we don't have any energy left. And so if we can't finish something, why do we even start it? Or maybe we don't feel like we're capable enough, that we're able to see it through. We're not smart enough or we don't have the skills. So what's the point of even trying? And I can't help but reflect that perhaps this is how a lot of churches feel as well. Discouraged, incapable, little energy, unsure of what's ahead, afraid to take the first step, not knowing what's next. It's not just that we get stuck dreaming of how great the past was when we had a hundred kids in Sunday school, when the pews in the sanctuary were filled, when the workers were numerous and the harvest seemed so few. It's also that we feel crippled at times by what's next. We fall back into old familiar patterns because we don't know how else to cope with the changing landscape around us. We keep trying the same old things, hoping for different results, because it's the only thing we feel like we know how to do. And then we get tired and burnt out, exhausted, discouraged, or we lose our energy when things don't go as we hoped, when change doesn't magically or miraculously happen the way we had desired that it would happen. We, too, become afraid to take the next step, to try something new, something different, dare I say even drastically different. When we're unsure, we'll be able to see it to fruition. We'd rather wait, we regroup a little bit, gather up all our supplies, secure all the right resources, have all the right people lined up and everything that we possibly may need before we even begin. The problem with that is waiting to try something new, waiting until the stars align and all the pieces are in place to even take the first step in the process means that we might be waiting forever. It means we may never get off the ground. It means, honestly, if we think about it, we don't trust in God. That we've lost some faith, Some hope we've lost trust. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he writes, We walk by faith and not by sight. He writes this in context to the Corinth church of not losing faith, to not lose heart in the midst of their afflictions. It doesn't name what these are. Perhaps they're persecutions, perhaps their other difficulties in life, or a combination of the two. But Paul tells them this is only preparing them for the eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. That the church shouldn't get distracted by what can be seen, but should focus on what is unseen. Don't focus on the temporary, this world, this life, but the eternal, Lord our God. Our true home is our eternal home in the heavens. And while we long for this now, we long to be at home with our Lord. We are here in these earthly bodies, this earthly dwelling. And we are to walk by faith, not by sight, as he tells the Corinthians, to have confidence that we will be welcomed home, But as we walk in this faith, we aim to please the Lord, to be found acceptable, whether we are at home or we are away from home. Now I will say, Paul can be a little wordy and a bit heavy at times. Essentially, he's saying this life isn't easy. In the midst of it, we may wish we were already at home with the Lord our God, but but we're here living this earthly life and while we're here we are to aim to please the lord to be found acceptable to god doing so it requires that we walk by faith and not by sight we take steps even when we don't know where we're going or what's next even if we don't feel like we have the energy to see it all the way through or if we feel like we're missing some of the resources. It means trusting God, that this isn't solely on us to see it through, but rather it's on the Lord. We just do what we can while we're here on this green earth to do the work of the Lord, to serve the Lord, our God. And thankfully, Our ancestors were willing to take that step, to walk by faith. They were willing to secure the land, even though they had no idea if or when they'd ever be able to plant a church to build a church building. Well, if you were here last week and paying attention to the date I mentioned, both this week and last week, you'd realize that 15 years passed once the land was secured, and before they even started to build the first church building. 15 years. In that time, I'm sure some of those faithful few left their earthly tents and were welcome home to the Lord. I'm sure not everyone who was part of securing the land, excited and hopeful after being encouraged by silence constant, not all of them saw it to completion. Or while it took 15 years to even start the building, it wasn't until 1802, another four years, until it was fully completed, inside and out, and they held a service of dedication. 15 years is a long time. To give some perspective, it's only been about 13 years since Pastor Karen left this congregation. For those of you who are active at that time, I'm sure you could list the number of changes you've seen and experienced in that time. We could list the number of faithful who have passed on to be welcomed home. We certainly aren't the same group we were 15 years ago. We aren't the same group as seven years ago when I was first called. And yet the faithful before us continue to take steps moving forward. They weren't sure where it would get them, especially when I was hired. There were many unknowns, even the fact if I'd be here after two years when the designated term under the program for such a time as this ended. But we took steps together, in a sense, into the unknown. And Perhaps again now, it's time to take another step to continue our walk of faith. We've been given a few opportunities, ones that we might not fully understand, ones that might, we might not all fully see to fruition, but opportunities to move us along on this faith journey. Perhaps in a sense, it's our piece of land that's being offered to us. We have to choose what's next last week in your bulletin and email there was notice of an opportunity offered to us by the presbytery to help us continue to navigate through what we took last year as our holy cow assessment over a year ago but unfortunately the pandemic got in the way more than we planned and so we weren't able to fully follow through with follow-up with it the Presbytery trust this assessment and resource to be beneficial and fruitful, and so they are offering us an opportunity to engage with it further. If we can form a small team of about four to work with a professional, to both help us better understand our assessment, our congregation, as well as lean ways to lean into it to help us grow and be fruitful and perhaps thrive. Second opportunity is the possibility to work with a group called Partners for Sacred Spaces. This is an organization that recognizes the good work that congregations do in their community, in these historic community center buildings. And so they work with congregations to help develop partners within the larger community that would value and share the space in ways that also help maintain and upkeep the building, as well as help us to be good stewards to what God has provided us with, a large space that doesn't get a lot of use during the week. This too would involve a team formed from our congregation, but it also includes engagement from members of our Chester community at large as well. Friends, both of these opportunities have the potential to have great benefits, but they also require communal work and a time commitment for all involved, about a year for both of them. And we know just how much can change in a year. It also may mean we need to let go of other things if we decide to move forward with either or both of these. It may mean refocusing our priorities for next year, shifting our focus in such a way that at first it might feel like we're walking into the unknown. It may mean taking a leap of faith, not really knowing where we might end up after a year, but trusting that the Spirit is indeed with us, moving us along. And yes, We may be small in number, so we continue to recognize we have about 30 members are actively serving, but our ancestors were about the same in number. The only difference between now and then was they were willing to take that first step. So we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to take the next? So may we all prayerfully consider not just these two options before us, but also how we may all walk by faith together. Think about what are the core values? What might we need to let go of? What is hindering us from walking in faith rather than walking by sight? I'd mentioned the book Canoeing the Mountains by Todd Bolsinger last week, and he asks, in relation to the Lewis and Clark expedition, this important question What might we need to shed to move into the unknown? Canoes dinners, buildings, the way that we've always done it? What do we need to shed in order to faithfully walk into the unknown? Trusting that the Spirit is with us the whole time and the steps that we take today, while we may personally might not ever see the full fruition. Trusting that they'll bear much fruit, whether it be in 15 years or 150 years. So friends, let us walk by faith and not by sight, having full confidence in the Lord our God. Amen.